Paul Sinclair, he started working at the bar in the 70s. And I mean, I've been kind of on this deep, like, mission to find out everything I can about him, but it's kind of hard because a lot of people have passed away. People are more, like, don't know a lot about him because a lot of people were just partying and didn't want to really talk about where they came from. Hello, everyone. My name is Micah Sigourney, and welcome to Stud Stories. Stud Stories is a queer history podcast that focuses on the stud bar in San Francisco. Through stories about the stud, we will talk about queer history in San Francisco and the world from 1966 to the present. We're going to talk with historians, drag performers, DJs, stud owners, workers, and patrons. This is our very first episode, but it's more like a little bit of a preview of what we're going to be doing. I've been wanting to do the stud stories for a while, but because of the COVID-19 crisis and the shutdown, it became even more important than ever for me. It's a way of recording some queer moments that might go as being unsaid or just part of social life and not like historical life. So for this first special premiere preview, premiere preview, yeah, let's call it a premiere preview. For a special premiere preview episode, I've invited on Chloe Miller, who is the founder of the Stud Pin Archives. And we're talking on Zoom, and I can see, Chloe, that you are actually wearing a stud t-shirt. Did you get dressed up for this? I did. Lately, I've been in pajamas. <laughs> but no, did you dress up specifically for this conversation? No, I mean, I would have worn this another day, you know. <laughs> I mean, the mathematical reality is that if I am getting dressed in the morning, I usually end up with a stud shirt on because it's most of my clothes now. So, um, Chloe, tell us about you and the stud pin archives. So I work at the stud mostly on Friday nights, and I also bartend at other bars around the city. But, um, yeah, I started the stud pin archives um, with help of Rachel Ryan because I was bartending and I was looking at the case that was right in front of me of all these buttons. And I was just like, what are these buttons? These are insane. And so you're talking about that window. There's like a window box type of thing at the stud in front of the next to the bar, right? It's probably about five feet tall by four feet across. And it's full of, when you say buttons, some people call them badges, I guess in Britain. Pinbacks. Pinbacks. Like what size are they? Yeah. They are... five inches larger they're square there's some that are actually flat and like are are they're actually by a safety pin okay rachel's like well actually i have a whole box full down in the basement and she gave me a huge box with over a hundred buttons in it and it's like actually gidget has made probably over 250 buttons for every occasion um, you can think of. So, yeah. And who was Gidget? Paul Sinclair, he started working at the bar in the 70s. And I mean, I've been kind of on this deep kind of like mission to find out everything I can about him. But it's kind of hard because a lot of people have passed away. People are more like don't know a lot about him because a lot of people were just partying and didn't want to really talk about where they came from. And so I've like, I've found out that he's extremely hilarious, as you can tell by his buttons there. They tell, he had a very like hilarious sense of humor, you know? Yeah. 
And was he making runs of buttons? Like, you know, these days, if I had a band or whatever, I'd make like a hundred of the same button or whatever. Yeah. And he'd be giving them out for like, for instance, like polka dot prom, everyone would have gotten a polka dot prom button. And there's... What was the polka dot prom? The polka dot prom was a party that everyone would wear polka dots and... (laughs) I don't know if you can see that one. Okay, now Chloe's holding up a button and it's the silhouettes of different shapes of people dancing. It says 1989 Mm -hmm. on it and it says polka dot prom. Was this an annual event at the stud? Yes, it was. Cool. Well, um, I wanted to talk with you first because I think you'll be coming on throughout the podcast because you kind of have, you ha- you're kind of our unofficial archivist. Like, you know where all the books are that say the special stuff, but also, you know, all the gossip because you've been talking to everyone. And so I think you'll be a regular voice on this podcast just being like, well, I heard that so-and-so actually kissed <laughs> so-and-so on the butt in the year 1972 in the back of the so-and-so. And we'll be like, well, there's no documentation. It'll be like, well, I heard it from three people. I imagine <laughs> that will be your role. And then I asked you to like choose a few of your favorite buttons just to talk about. Can yeah. you yeah, tell so, us? Yeah, so actually, they're visually, they're not my favorite buttons, but they're buttons that are extremely important in history. And I think talk a lot about like what happened and I mean they're one of them do you want me to show it right now or do you want me just going to put it on the website or whatever I think you'll just describe them okay so one of them that I want to talk about first is the save the children in in Atlanta which is about um the Atlanta child murders that happened hold on I have some notes here um it's a it's a like a It's a circular button. It says stud bar, and then it has a map of Atlanta, and then it says save the children in Atlanta in text. So it's like really just simple button. And that'll be on our show notes. So anyone who wants to look at it, it is rather simple. It's pretty bleak, actually. Yeah. And I mean, it's like a bleak thing that happened in history. So it happened in 79 to 81, and around 30 children, adolescents, adults were killed. And children, they were all um, black. And it was, there was a lot of racism and politics that were involved. And they actually believe that they have the wrong person. So Wayne Williams was convicted, but people have doubts about he was actually the person responsible committing the crimes. Um, Mm -hmm. And honestly, like, I don't think I really even knew about this until I watched the show Mindhunter. Oh, yeah, I've seen that show. Yeah, and so it's it's a show on Netflix, and it talks about the whole um, series of FBI agents and um, how they catch a serial killer. But they go, in the, in the show, they go in great detail about how these mothers of these children are, like, just meeting in private and, you know, are asking the police to, like, what are they doing to help their children? And it's, like, actually the police are doing nothing. It's it's quite, it's quite like, heartbreaking. And it's actually, the case is now reopened, I think, within the last year. Wow. And that's wild. I actually didn't know much about that either. So this was made by Gidget. This is made by Gidget, and this happened in Atlanta. 
It, right, but were, was Gidget making political buttons? He was, because the next one I have, it talks about the, oh. the Pope. Um, do you want me to go into that one? Okay, let's go to the next yeah. button, yeah. So this, the, the second button, there's two buttons. It's um, the papal visit, um, right. and it has a picture of John Paul II. Um, yes. And how you know Gidget made these buttons too is like he had a little signature G on each button. Sometimes he did, sometimes right. he didn't. And the other one is poke the Pope. And Right. And, and these are each, uh, can I describe them for you? Yeah, please. So these are each circular buttons that are white with really simple sans serif text. Mm-hmm. The papal visit says papal visit around the top edge. On the side, it says stud, and underneath it says Ninth and Harrison, and then it says bar, and it says 1987, and in the middle is the photo of the Pope, which is actually not a bad photocopy. And the next one, it says stud bar around the top and poke the Pope on the bottom. We have a lowercase g, and it says 1987. So what's up with the papal visit? I know nothing about this. So the Pope visited San Francisco in 1987, and it was like an uproar. Like I think he got the least amount of people coming out to visit him, but the most amount of protesters. I mean, you have the AIDS okay. epidemic kind of just like it's you're in the midst of all of this. And with this, I kind of wanted to kind of lead in with um, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence and talk about. Okay, tell me about them. So, I mean, should I like kind of just go in like who they are or do you want me to get? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to assume that some of our people have no idea what the sisters are, and I think this is a great opportunity to tell them. Okay, so the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence are, well, they started in 1979, and they were a group of. They started in 79? Yeah. Isn't that a. I had no idea. And, and I mean, they are huge now. They are worldwide, they are genderless, they are people that dress up as nuns that are, it's like they use drag as satire and like they address political issues. They are a charity. They do amazing things and they help a lot of people. Um, so they're like a sort of like a, a charity sister, like a sorority, right? Yes. Like they have like you pledge in a way mm-hmm. and there's different levels you work your way through. Mm-hmm. Um, like where you're an acolyte first, I think. Is that correct? I'm not 100%, then, but... You don't know all the details. <laughs> yeah. We'll get a sister on yes. here. But they, they, I know that they work their way up and that then they, they hold charitable events. Right. And they're notorious for their makeup. Yes. And their outfits. What does their makeup look like? I mean, usually white face with... It's, I mean, it's it just... Over the top gorgeousness. That's all I can really. <laughs> Some say gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say they're pretty clowny. You're right. It's white face. And then like often um, they'll have beards yes. and they'll do like a lot of glitter. Yeah. But it's, it's they're, they're at, you're correct. They're, they are all genders. That's my understanding anyway, is that they're not. They pro- I think it probably started out as a brotherhood, right? A brother sisterhood and then became a personhood. Yes. Of some sort. Yeah. yeah. But how did the sisters, what do they have to do with the papal visit? Well, they, everyone was protesting, but I think what's really amazing about the sisters and their role in that day is that they were protesting all around. And if you like look this up on the New York Times, LA Times, SF Chronicle, it's like they talk about this, but they're really not talking about what's actually happening. Like you have the AIDS epidemic, you have 
this pope that's not talking about safe sex, not, is, is not talking about drug use, is not talking about any of these current issues that are, like, killing our, our community. Yeah. So... And, and this was in 1987. Right. To give, like, a little, like, uh, a little, like, kind of timeline around other stuff happening in 1987 for around AIDS activism. It was in February, Cleve Jones created the first panel of the Memorial Quilt. Mm -hmm. In February, the World Health Organization launched the special program on AIDS. Um, Liberace died of AIDS-related illness. Uh, Larry Kramer founded the AIDS, AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power. ACT UP was founded in that year. So this is really, you're right, like a hot time Hot time, super hot, hot time for AIDS activism. They staged their first, ACT UP staged their first protest in March 24th. Do you know when the papal visit was? It was in September of 1987. So this was like the same year that ACT UP was made. Wow. And, and the CDC launched the first AIDS-related public service announcements in September 30th. So this is really when AIDS was becoming super well-known. Mm-hmm. And why was the Pope visiting? I mean... I that I don't really know. Yeah. And I'm I mean, yeah. But we have some pins that say poke the pope and that's really what's important here. <laughs> yeah, and I think like what the sisters were doing were was really amazing and also not only were they protesting but they were also performing an exorcism on the pope. They did. Which I think yes. Where how did they do that? Do you know? Well, there was the sisters were protesting all throughout the city. There was sisters that were on um, the Golden Gate Bridge that were told to be to leave that area, and then um, there was another um, another protest going in downtown, and I think that's where they were performing the the exorcism. That's amazing. Okay. I think um, I think we're running a little bit out of time, so let's cut to our last button for today. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, I have it in front of me. It's a mm-hmm. round white button. <laughs> <laughs> it says stud bar across the top in like an old English font, and then below there's a dude. It looks like a photocopy of like a man wearing sunglasses, a button up shirt, and a blazer, and he's like holding mm-hmm. his sunglasses on it like a cool dude would. What's this? Right. So this is Larry Holloway. Um, also known as Larry LaRue, who um, worked at that time. He was working at the stud, but he also started off as a DJ. Um, he DJed at um, Hamburger Mary's, and he was a janitor at the stud. And this was when the stud was on in San Francisco on Folsom Street, right? And Hamburger Mary's was across the street? Correct. And so he was DJing at Hamburger Mary's. Was Hamburger Mary's having drag shows then? Yes. Rumor is that he, somebody called out that was supposed to DJ some night at the stud and he, he took their place and I think the rest is kind of history. I mean, he started the punk nights on Monday. He is, um, he was also part owner of the stud at one point as well. So he became really well known as a DJ in San Francisco. Correct. Yeah. And you're, are you suggesting that it's because he started at the stud? <laughs> I mean, maybe. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you had told me that he was featured in like a magazine or something as, what was that? 
Well, I, I and billboards like top influential people as like for like a tastemakers they would say. You know, when was that? that time. I'm assuming like in the the eighties. Like so the Larry Larue became a tastemaker in the eighties. He started at Hamburger Mary's and was a janitor at the Stud. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in this. <laughs> See, I didn't actually know who Larry LaRue was. I knew the name Larry LaRue, but I didn't know who he was. And he, you said that he brought punk to the stud? He brought punk to the stud, yeah. There's this rumor that the stud was the first gay bar in San Francisco to play punk music. I think that he may probably had a lot to do with it. That's amazing. Okay, so I just want to recap what you've already told us with just three or four different buttons about the stud in the past 20 minutes. We started with, go for it. We, we started with the studs, um, with Gidget's buttons, save the children in Atlanta about the Atlanta child murders in 79 to 81. Um, we talked about the two Pope, um, buttons, um, the papal visit and poke the Pope, which is, um, John Paul II, and then we also um, talked about Larry LaRue, who was um, a resident DJ at the stud. So I have a question for you. How many buttons do you have? Probably around 200. Do you, how many of those do you think are like more than just like, I like the stud buttons, but are more like historical? I think most of them, honestly, I think that's what made me want to do this project is I think that these tell such a beautiful story about the stud, about San Francisco and a part of history that needs to reach a larger audience. Well, hopefully this podcast can be the audience for that. Okay, so Chloe, you do the stud pin archives. Can you tell us where to find those things? So there, right now I have a stud pin archives um, on Instagram, which is stud underscore pin underscore archives. I also have a website that is um, stud pin archives, which is in the works. Um, and then also I'm coming out with a book that is all of the buttons that I have in my possession. And then also photos from other people that have uh, buttons and just to kind of show what beautiful work Gidget had done. And I mean, some of these images are borrowed for sure, but they are like, I think really, really important part of our history. Awesome. Um, Thank you so much. How do you feel about coming back onto the podcast and telling us the real gossip about stuff at the stud? That um, Etta James wasn't just drunk on Remy Martin, that kind of (laughs) gossip. Like that. Allegedly, (laughs) allegedly. We can't get sued here. Thanks everyone for listening. My name is Micah Sigourney, also known as Vivian Fevermore. I am a worker owner at the Stud Bar. Please rate us and comment on iTunes. This helps more people to find us, and the more people that find us, the more people that are listening to us. And who doesn't want to be listened to? The Stud Stories podcast is produced by Stud worker owner Tara Haywood and Stud worker Ben McGrath. It is also edited by Tara Haywood. If you want to purchase one of those stud t-shirts Chloe and I were talking about, head over to studsf.com, where you can find our merch, as well as links to our Venmo and COVID-19 relief GoFundMe for our staff. At our website, you can also link through to our Patreon, where you can become a stud patron and receive podcast advance releases and access to our video archives. 
Please check out our weekly drag show at twitch.tv backslash drag alive. That is twitch.tv backslash drag alive, 6.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time every Saturday. If you can't hang with us in person, you might as well do it on the internet. Stay queer. Talk to you soon.